Good morning and welcome to Car Thoughts with David. I am your host as always, David Calvert. And thank you guys so, so much uh, for tuning in, for taking time out of your day to listen to what I have to say. And, you know, for those of you that are veterans of the show, you've been listening to the show for a while. As you know, the show is not about cars. It is about my thoughts in the car. My thoughts while I sit here on my daily commute with uh, good old Lucille here. And, uh, you know, uh, how, how I perceive things, how I'm going through things, my adventures in business and writing and all these other things. For those of you that are new to the show, that's pretty much it. Um, I got the idea for the show name from a book called The Creative Curve. And um, it talked about how we have our greatest aha moments when we're in the car, when we're in the shower, when we're... Uh, sleep, we wake up, first thing we think of these things, because our conscious mind and our body is active doing other tasks, and our thoughts wander, our subconscious wanders, and so I wanted to do something with, with that, so the easiest method was to record in my car, um, I just recently named my car Lucille, by the way, uh, that was a couple episodes back, um, you know, I was, I had Chuck Berry songs, and uh, I love Lucy episodes rolling through my mind. I'm not even sure why I had either of those in my mind at that particular time, but I just blurted out the car's name is Lucille, and so it shall be done, because now it's ingrained in podcast history, it's out there on the internet, and uh, it is what it is. So, here we are, me and Lucille, um... We're at 49,154 miles. Every time I turn the car on, it reminds me that I'm getting closer and closer to Lucille's next oil change, which is going to be fun because I actually have an oil extractor, which is really cool. Um, So this part will be about the car, I guess. Um, But yeah, it's a little, uh, it's a contraption that's got a pump on it. And of course, you can hook it up to an air compressor and a uh, actual a hose and a, a nozzle that goes down into the dipstick uh, shaft, for lack of a better word. I don't know what it's called. The the thing where the dipstick goes in. So you pull the dipstick out. You run this hose down it, uh, down the um, into the dipstick shaft. We'll go with shaft. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> and it goes down into the oil pan. You hook the air compressor up onto it. You flip the little switch on, and it starts uh, su- suctioning out the oil out of the the engine, out of the uh, out of the oil pan. So, thankfully, my car's oil filter is actually on the top of the car, so I get it sucking the oil out. I unscrew the oil filter cap. I take the little because it's one of those little pleated. Uh, filters. I take the filter out, throw it away, put the new filter in, screw it back down, you know, put the new uh, gasket on it and everything, screw it down. Uh, about 15 minutes later, all the oil's been sucked out of the car, and then I refill it, and uh, that's what I'm getting ready to do probably in the next uh, week or two. I'll be changing out the oil here and using that and I got really lucky because on Amazon somehow or another the product got mis 
uh, priced. Um, it was supposed to be $160 and change, right? Instead, when I looked up the product, which is why I ended up buying it, because it was at an incredible price, it was $10.62. <laughs> so I got a $160, and it wasn't just me. My boss actually got one of these, too. There were several of them ordered. And, of course, they we had to wait for months to even get them uh, because they sold so many of them. But once it finally came in, you know, I was like, wow, I should have bought like 10 or 15 of these. I could have made a fortune selling these things on eBay or to people in my neighborhood or whatever um, because it's it's such a lifesaver. I mean, I literally just, you know, plug that thing in, turn it on, let it do its job while I'm changing out the oil filter, and my fingers had oil on them. I didn't really have any oil on my hands, and the only reason my fingertips had oil on them was because I had to pull the, the pleated filter out of that filter-holding uh, cup, and so my I got oil on my hands from that. That was it. So I literally, that was the cleanest I've ever been after an oil change. Um, as a matter of fact, my neighbor uh, came over and was looking. He's like, what are you doing? And so I explained to him what it was and how it worked, and he saw how dirty I wasn't. And when he saw that I was doing an oil change, you know, most people, you do an oil change, you've got oil up to your elbows because you had to pull the drain plug out. And there's, it's, you know, as soon as you pull that, which is the worst design ever, obviously it's designed that way because that's how it has to work. But when you pull that plug out, all of a sudden you've got oil pouring out, you know, looks like something from, uh, from the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, that just spring of oil coming up out of the ground. And, and I, by Beverly Hillbillies, I mean the, good television show, not the stupid movies that were made. Uh, though Jim Varney is quite funny, the show was... It didn't need to be remade. <laughs> well, there was no reason for them to remake that. Um, just somebody was nostalgic, nostalgic, I guess. But anyway, um, you know, you, you have this geyser of oil coming out at you all of a sudden. So generally, you're, you're in your, your elbows, possibly as far as your armpits, depending on how quick or not quick you are at removing the oil, or removing yourself from the flowing oil that's going into the pan, that you, well, that you hope's going into the pan, because sometimes you get that wrong, and then, you, you know, you get a good bit on the uh, driveway as well, so you got to deal with that nonsense. And, uh, and yeah, so it's usually a messy proposition. So when he saw us, he thought we were changing the oil, but he was like, wait a second, these guys aren't having as hard a time of it. They're not dirty. They haven't got the car up on ramps. There's something that just doesn't add up. I see what I think they're doing, but they can't possibly be doing it. Um, of course, when I told him about the extractor and the fact that I only paid $10 for it, he was like, oh, you should have bought several of them. I would have bought at least two of them off of you. I would have paid you 50 bucks a piece for them. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I probably should have. That would have been a great idea. Fantastic. Um, too late now, though, of course, now they fixed the pricing. I, I keep an eye on it just in case. If they ever go back to $10, I'm going to buy a couple hundred of them and just sell them. Um, make a make a fortune, maybe take a year off from work or something. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, so, 
you know, it's it's a really handy thing. And like I said, every time I start the car, I get that little notification. You have less than a thousand miles till your next oil change. So, you know, I got to get that done. And uh, I try and do it a little bit early, you know, like, you know, when I've got maybe 200 miles left or something. Uh, just because if I don't, sometimes I'll just get so engrossed in work or uh, other projects and stuff. And I'll just forget to do it. And the next thing I know, it's like 200 miles over. 10,000 mile uh, marker and then I'm like okay well that was fun now let's change the oil um, and we go from there so I was writing this uh, science fiction uh, mini novel um, and I'm writing it for my good friend Robert he actually uh, I wrote a sh I wrote the short story which like I said beyond the wall that's the one that I'm actually turning into a novel uh, he read it, and he was like, oh, you should write another, you should do more short stories, this was actually really good, you should do one with, um, with a guy who has the ability to talk to people and ask them for things, and they'll give him whatever, uh, whatever he asks for without question, and when they walk away, they'll, they just won't remember, it's like they'll have amnesia, they won't know that they gave him that stuff, and then they won't worry about it. They'll just be like, whatever, yeah, my coat's gone, you know, whatever. They won't remember that some dude just walked up to him and asked him for the coat. They'll just think like, well, yeah, it's gone. I don't have it anymore. And so they're fine, whatever. So, and he was like, yeah, and you should have a character that flies and uh, name him Super Bob. And like, sort of like Superman. So I wrote the short story uh, for him. I wrote a little, little just in the same format as I wrote the other short story. I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a little bit of time here. Um, I'm into the, I'm starting to dig into the book that he and I are co-authoring. But I've got a little bit of time to kind of, to kind of work around then. So I was like, okay, so how about I write this out into a long enough novel that I can actually get a print copy for him. And so I'll put it up on Amazon. I'll put it under the Creative Open Forum banner, um, my my pen name um, on Amazon, and I'll get it printed. I'll get an author copy uh, where it doesn't have the not for resale thing on it, not the proof copy, but an actual author copy, and sign it and give it to them. You know, that'd be an awesome... Uh, I don't have any earthly idea when his birthday is. You know, Christmas has already passed. New Year's has already passed. Um, I, I could maybe give it to him for President's Day. I don't know. Um, or I, you know, try and figure out when his actual birthday is. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I thought about that. So I started writing it. You know, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a short novel. Um, I might write it out, uh, or I might continue writing it out, but it'll be like a series of small novels or short stories tied together you know like shoestring together like a series of small books um i've seen several authors do this there's a guy named morgan rice um who's written like i don't know like 50 some odd books in this one series or something like that it, it wasn't that many but it was like 20 some books it was he's written a lot in this one series and they just started this science fiction series and they're all short you know, short books like that, you know, like, I I think I read through, like, six of his books in the course of a week or something like that. They weren't very long reads. 
So I figured I'd do that, and that would give me print copies that I could get, and then I'd give one to him, you know, so he could actually have a book that was written for him, uh, you know, basically as he requested me to write this book, and, you know, give him that opportunity to, uh, you know, learn, uh, learn a little bit more of the story that he inspired in asking me to write that. So I've got that going, um just about to the point where it's ready to be a print so and I, I think it's a fairly interesting story you know it's it's about um it's kind of in a way like an x-men <clears throat> origin story where people are just starting to discover their powers or like uh the video game infamous which was a playstation exclusive and if you've ever you know ever wanted to play a really good, like, open city world superhero game, um, aside from the Spider-Man games, it's probably the best series ever for that type of thing. It's got a fantastic story. Um, I liked all three of the games that came out. Um, and yeah, they were really, really good. A lot of fun, a lot of destruction. You could be either good or bad. You know, you had your, your different storylines. <sighs> for each so you know that always was fun to do to play through it the good story and the bad story or vice versa <clears throat> but yeah so I wrote that and uh, really enjoyed it and uh, yeah so it's getting ready to go to print and I'm going to get a copy a couple copies for him I'm going to get a copy to put in <clears throat> the local coffee shop to get that taken care of uh, you know in, in the lending library and, you know, just have some, have some fun with it. Um, cause it's a fun little story, you know, I, it was, uh, a 1300 character story that I, that I smushed together in a, in a post on social media. And that was the character limit for the post was 1300 characters. And I took basically his little quick, like, Ooh, you should write a story about somebody that has this, <clears throat> turned it into a 1300 character story. And now I'm fleshing it out into a short book that will eventually, you know, could have more uh, added on to it. You know, I'll leave it kind of open-ended. And, yeah. So, it's all, uh, it's all, um, you know, coming together for that. I even made it, I, I'm even kind of satirically playing on other science fiction and other, like, comic books and stuff uh, that are like that like when the main character introduces himself to the character that is eventually known as Super Bob um, you know Super Bob's asking him who he is and he's like I'm Xavier, Charles Xavier and of course Super Bob is not having that because he didn't think that was funny he knows that this guy is definitely not Charles Xavier because he has his hair <laughs> and uh you know, he's not, in a, he's not in a wheelchair, and he, he's not the leader of the X-Men, because there are no X-Men. Um, though, of course, he has, Super Bob has the ability to fly, and he's got uh, some other abilities as well. Uh, our main character has some abilities. He has the ability to ask somebody for something, and they'll give it to him. So, like, for instance, he asks for a jacket, because uh, it's cold. He's in Chicago. It's cold. He needs a jacket, and uh, he asks for a jacket, and the guy gives him one and walks off, and 
you know, he actually, even to make sure, kind of walks back to the guy, walks past him. The guy doesn't know anything about the jacket at all. He, he doesn't remember that he ever owned it, nothing. He's completely, the jacket doesn't exist to him. He doesn't see it. You know, it's kind of kind of like a Jedi mind trick, if you will. And, uh, yeah, so there's that, and, um, you know, I think it's going to be a fun story. It's going to be as cheap as I can make it on Amazon. You know, the Kindle version is going to be 99 cents. The the print version is going to be like 350 or 4 bucks or whatever, whatever the minimum cost I have to make that. Because I don't want to charge a lot for these books. These are very short books. They're very small books. They're short stories. I just want them to be accessible to people. And the best way to make something accessible to some to a wide variety of people is to make it affordable. And with as many books as I'm writing, you know, if I, uh, it's like the stuff I talked about on yesterday's episode. You know, if you write a thousand, if you're writing a book and you want to make a million dollars, you need, and you charge X number of dollars, you need to sell X number of copies of books or write more books. Then you can lower that cost per book down. I mean, heck, I've written. This will be my. F- well, if you count the science fiction novel that's not been printed yet, you know, my, my actual novel, Hurtling Towards a Home, I've written six books that are going to be in print by the end of January. Um, six. <laughs> and uh, that's not too shabby, you know, so far. So, you know, I'm figuring, you know, I want to improve. I want to get better. I want people to be able to read my works. I want them to be accessible. So let's make them cheap. Let's make them affordable. Let's get them into people's hands. Because the more people that read them and are interested about them, the more people that will tell others about them, the more people that will be interested in them. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll get um, uh, somebody will actually do a review on them, you know, or something like, you know, one of these other podcasters will, will, will do it, you know, or... Um, things like that, you know, eventually word will get out and, you know, through different cross promoting with others. I've been doing a lot of cross promoting on my podcast with uh, wonderful radio Flanagan with Paul Flanagan. Um, you know, I've been sharing stuff with him. He's actually mentioned in my book, uh, as, as well as in my, uh, excuse me, I don't think I have a box in that book. He's mentioned, and his podcast is mentioned, as well as Morningstar Journal with Tariq. So, you know, by doing that, by making these things happen, by working with other podcasters, it's helping to grow my podcast and their podcast. It's it's mutually beneficial because I just read a statistic recently that says that Year over year, people that listen to podcasts actually increase the number of podcasts they listen to year over year statistically. So you have people, millions of people listening to podcasts, and they're becoming more and more, for lack of a better word, addicted to podcasting. So it just makes sense that you know, we're going to need to have everything built up as well as we can to be prepared for that increase. And as more and more people discover podcasts, 
like my friend in Cyprus, <clears throat> who didn't know what my podcast was about and didn't really know uh, much about podcasts, when he actually read my book, he was suddenly interested to listen to podcasts. You know, he, he didn't, you know, he, he actually told me that. He's like, oh, I thought your podcast was, you were talking about cars, and I'm not really interested in cars. Cars are just a means to an end. <clears throat> and I wasn't interested in hearing somebody talk about cars for half an hour. And uh, so, you know, since he read the book, he realized that's not what my show's about. It's about just thoughts and business and ideas and whatever, you know. It's just me talking about stuff and driving. That's where the car comes in. <laughs> that's where old Lucille comes in. So, you know, and she's here faithfully every day. I take good care of her, you know, and I make sure, you know, she's gas, oil, antifreeze, whatever she needs, she gets. So she's always happy to help out with the show. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that was kind of my adventure. But in the course of writing this book, a uh, little history lesson for today for you guys, which I found fascinating. I was looking up how to spell smart aleck because it has been said of me many, many times, thousands of times, that I was a smart aleck or colorful variations of that phrase. I'm sure you guys can put that together, what those words and phrases were that people said to me. <clears throat> but anyway... Um, you know, I was in the process of doing all of that, and I wanted to write Smart Alec out, and I'd never actually written it or typed it, so I wanted to make sure I had it spelled correctly. And, of course, spell check was absolutely useless because it had no idea what I was writing. Apparently, Smart Alec is not in Microsoft Word or other spell checkers as well, so <clears throat> I went to Google because Google is the all-knowing, all-thing uh so it, it took care of me. It got me set up. I was able to spell smart aleck. Well, in the course, and this is where the history lesson comes in, in the course of typing in smart aleck, the third or fourth result in the search was talking about how smart aleck, <clears throat> the phrase, came to be. And many people think it was just some like made-up, uh, flibberty-jibbity word that, and yes, I did just use Flibberty Gibbet, um, <laughs> uh, word that somebody just came up with. But that is not true, ladies and gentlemen. I learned something new, and you guys are listening, so you get to learn it too. Smart Alec was a nickname given to a man that was in prison in the mid to late 1800s. He was actually a pimp in New York. Him and his wife worked together, and she was, of course, the prostitute. He was the pimp. What they would do is she would stand on a street corner. She would find an unsuspecting John. And yes, I have watched way too many cop TV shows. <laughs> but uh, she would find somebody. She would get them to pay her. Well, they were... They would go into an alley and start um, doing whatever service that the gentleman paid for. While she was doing this, she was picking his pocket, uh, stealing his watch or wallet or whatever, jewelry he had, whatever. She was robbing him um, <clears throat> and setting the stuff down in the alley on the ground 
while she was in the middle of doing her job. And, of course, the guy didn't notice because he had other things on his mind. And, therefore, he'd leave satisfied. Uh, She would walk him back out. She'd go stand on the street corner while her husband would go come into the alley from the other side and grab all of the possessions that he uh, was relieved of while he was being relieved. So, um, the cops were aware of this. Uh, he, he avoided getting arrested and getting into legal troubles by paying the cops off, offering them a cut of the bounty of what they scored from these Johns. So he was paying off the police, and this was in the 1840s in New York. He he was paying off the police, not the first time that had ever happened, and certainly, as we know, not the last time. If you've seen the movie American Gangster, definitely not the last time. So he's doing this, and he's like, well, we're pretty good at this. Let's up our game. So they get an apartment, Um, He puts in a false wall and a little hidden storage compartment where he can hide in, in the wall. And, um, and then he can also get into the, into the room from there and also get out of the room and get out of the apartment from there as well. So she then continues doing what she does. She, but she brings them back to this apartment. She has them take off all their clothes and drop them over by where this false wall is. Of course, they didn't know there was a false wall. <coughs> Excuse me. They didn't know there was a false wall there. So they drop all their clothes with all of their worldly possessions in them right there by this false wall. She's got this really nice bed with a curtain that goes around so that there's no prying eyes. Um... You know, it says that her husband's just very eccentric, so he has this curtain. And she starts taking care of them and servicing them. While she's doing that, her husband slides the little hidden door open, grabs their clothes, pulls out all their possessions, sets the clothes back in a pile, closes the door, goes and secures the, the belongings somewhere safe, then comes in through the door of the bedroom, slams it open, starts yelling, pitching a fit. Who the heck are you? Probably more colorful than that, though it was the 1840s, so I don't really know. Like, who is thou beest in thine bed? I don't know. They, I don't think they talked like that either. Uh, it wasn't Shakespeare. It was <laughs> New York. Uh, but anyway, so they... He, like, freaks them out. They, of course, are completely embarrassed and afraid they're going to get beaten up or taken to the cops or whatever for cheating you know on this guy with their wife even though she hired or she was hired as a prostitute you know they didn't want that embarrassment on their conscience uh, especially not publicly so they would run to this pile of clothes that now had nothing but clothes in it grab up everything they would be scared they wouldn't think to check their pockets. They were naked, and they would run out of the apartment trying to get dressed as they went. <clears throat> and, of course, they wouldn't go to the cops because they didn't want the public embarrassment. You know, who wants to 
say, well, yeah, I was uh, sleeping with this prostitute and uh, they she robbed me. Yeah, that's not something most people even today would admit, uh, <laughs> you know, so certainly not back in the 1840s. Um, so eventually, uh, since he kind of stepped up his game, uh, the bribes weren't working anymore. The cops eventually arrested him and threw him in prison for pimping and theft and all these larceny and all these other crimes. <clears throat> and of course... The details are a little bit murky on what I read, so it doesn't really say, like, if it was, like, just some honest cop that couldn't be bought, or if it was the cops just got tired because they won more money and he refused to pay them, and they decided, well, you know, you're not going to pay, we're going to throw you in prison because we want more money. So, I really don't know how that all panned out, but inevitably he did get caught, he ended up going to prison. So, the prison guards would walk up to him and say, you know what, Alec? You were too smart for your own good. You were just way too smart for your own good. You got yourself caught because you were doing stuff that was wrong, and you thought you were smarter than everybody. You thought you were better than everyone, but you weren't because look at you. You're right here in prison, and I'm guarding you, and you thought you had it all, and now you got nothing. So <clears throat> the prisoners ended up giving him the nickname Smart Alec because the, the prisoners would always make fun of him and say, oh, you thought you were so smart. Alec, you thought you were so smart. Alec. So, Smart Alec stuck. And so, hence the phrase Smart Alec came into being. So, it and it means basically what the prison guards said that it means, which you thought you were smarter than us. You thought you were being clever, but you weren't. We figured it out. We saw right through what you were trying to do. And um, so, yeah. So I'm glad you guys learned this with me today. Um, I know you probably didn't want to learn it any more than... Well, actually, I did want to learn it. I like having boundless amounts of useless knowledge and on hand to share stories like what I just shared. I find that highly fascinating, and I'm always entertained when people say... When they give me this cockeyed look, like their head turns like the RCA dog. Um, and if you don't know what that is, Google it. Um, I'm sure there's still pictures on the internet of the RCA dog with his head tilted to the side. And they just look at me like, with this like half-disgusted look, like, why do you know that? You know? So, you know, I kind of, I always was fascinated with, with that response from people. So I enjoyed learning useless things. And I'd share these tidbits and people would be like, why do you know that? And, of course, you can't see what I just did, but I did the whole, like, nostril, like, kind of, like, what? And my head tilted to the side, uh, like I was a valley girl or something like that. Like, what? And <laughs> so you guys didn't see that at all, but it would have been hilarious if you could. Um, but, yeah. <clears throat> so that's your useless fact for the first useless fact that you guys have received in the year 2019. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed the show. I am at my destination, so I have to let you go. I'll talk to you guys later. Hey everybody, David here from Car Thoughts with David, and I just wanted to share some information with you. You guys have heard me talk about finding your way, finding your path, and starting your journey. Well, if you have decided that you want to start your own podcast, you might be thinking, well, David, that's great, but what do I do? How do I do this? You know, what works? What doesn't work, right? Well, 
I wrote a book. Because you can go back and find my episodes where I talk about all this stuff and listen to them. And that's all well and good. But sometimes it's easier just to have it in print where you can just see it, right? So I wrote the book called Introduction to Podcasting. Lessons Learned, Lessons Shared. You can pick it up on Amazon on Kindle for 99 cents, less than a dollar. What? That's crazy, right? Less than a dollar, you can pick it up on Kindle. If you like to have a print book in your hands and you just like the way it feels, and trust me, I'm looking at this book right now, it's really well printed. I love Kindle publishing. You can pick it up for $5.50. So you can have a physical copy where you can take notes, where you can, you know, Keep stuff for quick reference while you're working on creating that awesome epic podcast that I know you're capable of creating. So, by all means, if you're looking for ways, you're looking for advice, Introduction to Podcasting, Lessons Learned, Lessons Share is the book for you. Thank you guys, and I could not do any of this without your support. So, when I say thank you, I mean it. Thank you.